You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Welcome back to Cross Section. I'm Kevin Jensen. Glad you're here with us for another episode of The In Between. That's the topic of our Wednesday morning senior adults and friends Bible study. And we are looking at that in between realm between human beings and God, the realm of angels, demons, the devil, heavenly and dark powers, and even the spirits of the dead. And, and the spirits of the dead are a big part of our topic uh, for today's lesson. We're looking at section 8M, Jesus on angels and the spirits of the dead. We'll see Jesus talk about the end times a bit and the role that angels have to play in the end times. But we'll also hear Jesus talk about uh, marriage and the situation of uh, the spirits of the dead when the resurrection comes about. And so when we are raised from death, what role does marriage play, if any? Jesus has a very interesting, a little bit surprising response to that question. And angels are connected with that question, too, because Jesus says we will be like the angels. And so what's it like to be an angel? And what does he mean by that? We'll talk about that. I hope you enjoy this lesson. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Okay, so today we begin with Luke 20 and verse 27. We are now in Jesus' final week, and so we call that his Passion Week. Uh, not the final week of his life, because of course he's still alive, but the last week before his crucifixion, so before his death. Uh, what a strange thing to say, right? He's, uh, we have to talk about pre-death, post-death, uh, and one day we'll talk about everyone that way, because there will be a res- resurrection for everyone and the faithful uh, will live forever. Uh, and so uh, we may talk about, yeah, before I died and after, you know, after I was raised and that sort of thing. Uh, so interesting uh, way to think about life. Uh, here we come into Jesus last week. He's in Jerusalem uh, leading up to the Passover festival, uh, which will be uh, the time of his crucifixion. Also, he'll be crucified just as the Passover gets rolling. Okay, let's start in Luke 20 and verse 27. I'm going to see a bit about uh, the situation of the um, spirits of the dead, uh, uh, the spirits of the dead before the resurrection, and we'll see a bit about angels as well in our texts today. All right, Luke 20, verse 27. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, The man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? It's a great question. We'll come back and talk about that more in a minute. Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. 
Okay. So I have a question for you. What do we learn about uh, our situation when the dead rise from Jesus teaching here? No more marriage. <laughs> no more marriage. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. There'll be no more marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that could be because our time will be taken up in worshiping God? Mm. You know, we won't need to have a um a relationship on like we do on earth, you know, with another person. And uh but if we're we're in heaven or wherever we're going to be in the new jerusalem god's going to be the focus mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. that sounds I good i don't know um that's possible yeah that's <coughs> possible um you think about um adam and eve in the garden of eden and um you know the the life in the resurrection um and in eternity will be to some degree, like what God intended life to be like in the Garden of Eden, where God and people were right there together, you know, God could walk through the garden and they knew what it sounded like when he walked through because apparently he'd done that before. Even there, though, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. And he made a woman uh, for the man and then he called them to reproduce, you know, fill the earth. Um, but that the emphasis in eternal life seems to be different based on Jesus teaching here. Uh, there may no longer be a concern about uh, will the man be lonely? Will the woman be lonely? Uh, there may not be any more concern about let's reproduce and populate the earth. That's it. Um, so, you know, I, that's a good theory, Georgia. I, I can't say one way or the other, but that's a good theory. Yeah. Kevin? Yeah, darling? How do, um, I know there's a religious sect out there that says that they're, their marriage on earth is still up in heaven also. They're going to meet their spouse and they're going to be married. And even if they have two or three, they pray for the dead uh, that they, you know, that everyone makes it up there. How do they justify this sentence then? That they said there'll be no marriage and there won't be any, uh, you know, I pointed that out to one of my friends that is a, a Mormon, but I'm, they they act like that part isn't even in their Bible or whatever. Could that Probably be? Isn't. Probably isn't. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, my impression, and I I don't know, I haven't asked my Mormon friends about this, but my impression is that they would say the teaching of the Book of Mormon and some of their other writings uh, supersedes the teaching of the Bible. Oh. Um, they they tend to say uh, whenever <coughs> those are in conflict, there are other books in the Bible. Whenever their teaching is in conflict, they tend to say, I think, that uh, the um, the Bible is corrupted uh, and has not been passed down accurately. And so this is one of the inaccurate parts, um, which, of course, you know, is is a really easy excuse for we're right and it's wrong. Um, and so there's a you know, there ought to be a burden of proof on their shoulders to show us evidence that uh, this has not been um, copied and passed down accurately because I think all the all the evidence says it's been passed down more accurately than pretty much any other document in human history yeah. uh, over that length of time you know um, yeah. so I, I don't know darling I, I think they just dismiss uh, what what Jesus says here and well, say, well, I, you I, just, say that. I love them dearly but
but I don't know. I didn't know how to come across anymore, except I hit this and they said, you know, they that isn't there. They, so apparently, like you say, it is the Book of Mormon. They didn't justify it by telling you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly where they get that teaching from, but I have I have heard that before, and that's my guess how they justify it. But we'd have to ask them to be sure. Uh, Zay, did you have a thought? Can you hear me? Yes, sure can. <laughs> that those that can be together in heaven have to have been married in the Temp Mormon temple. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Right, and that's a very that's a very special thing. It's bigger than a normal marriage, right? It's a special yes. level of marriage. And they can only be married in the temple if they're tithing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so you got to qualify. Right. Yeah, that's pretty different from what Jesus teaches here. Um, I have heard people say uh, there will be no reproduction in heaven. There will be no children. Uh, well, I should say an eternal life. That's more accurate. Uh, that there won't be any, yeah, won't be any more uh, children being born and such. Jesus didn't say that, right? I want to be real clear about what he said and didn't say. He just said there won't be marriage. So, you know, does that imply there won't be any children? There won't be reproduction? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there's, maybe new lives, new souls are brought into existence in some other way. I mean, we just don't know. We'll just have to wait and find out when we get there. Kevin? Yes. It said, for they are like the angels. Yeah. Yeah, like the angels. What do you think that means, Francis? Well, that we're God's children. Okay. Of the resurrection. Uh huh. I can just see. Oh, I don't know, there, Francis. Huh? You think I can fly? just see him up there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be great if we could fly? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Jenny's hoping for that. She would like to be able to fly. I would too. Bounce, bounce from cloud to cloud. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think um, I think it's interesting that Jesus says, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. Okay. Is he saying angels don't die? I mean, I think that's accurate. You know, we know Gabriel appeared to Daniel 500 years before he appeared to Zechariah and Mary in the book of Luke. Uh, so, you know, he's at least 500 years old if, if age matters for angels. We don't know if it does. Um, but I wonder if Jesus is also saying angels don't get married. You know, maybe, maybe that's the case. Uh, we don't have any indication in Scripture that they do get married or that they have children or anything like that. We don't know where new angels come from or if they all came at once. God created them all at once or something. We don't know how that worked. Um, so at least Jesus is saying we will be like the angels in that we will not die. Yeah. He may be saying uh, angels also don't get married. That's possible too. Um, and then he calls us children of the resurrection. So those uh, who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection of the dead uh, are God's children, children of the resurrection, which I think has to do with our being um, reborn in a sense Uh Physically, at least, um, born into eternal bodies, immortal bodies uh, that will live in the new heaven and new earth uh, so that, um, you know, we can no longer die. Uh, and in some ways, we'll be like the angels. And in, and I think in some ways different, too, because uh, human beings have always been uh, different from angels to some degree. You know, we have a physical form that angels don't have, and we don't know if they ever did have. Um, so there's a lot of mystery here. Um but also some encouragement and excitement. Uh, 
as well. Yeah. Uh, are you all familiar with the uh, uh, the premise for the question um, back in verses 28 to 32, uh, this, the idea of leveret marriage? Are you familiar with that? Yeah. That's where um, it's commanded back in the law of Moses that if a, uh, a man marries a woman and um, he dies, but he hasn't given her children, specifically uh, male offspring, to carry on the family name and to receive the inheritance, then if the man has a brother, then his brother is to marry the woman and give her offspring in the name of his deceased brother, right? So they, they extrapolate out, okay, what happens if seven of them married her and none of them had children? If one of them had children with her, then maybe he'd be the official husband, right? But none of them did. And so uh, they all died and the woman died too. So at the resurrection, she, whose wife is she going to be? She's going to be married to all seven? Is that how it works? And, and Jesus, you know, the way Jesus works around that is, is he says, you don't have a clue how things work when people are raised from the dead. You don't marry anymore. You're not given in marriage. You're, you don't stay married. And so that's why, you know, our, our marriage vows are very biblical, right? Uh, we, we say we commit to each other until death do us part. Uh, that's very biblical. After, you know, once death parts us, uh, we're free, which is why it's okay to remarry if your spouse has passed away. Uh, because that vow has been completed, it's been fulfilled. Uh, now you're free. You don't have to marry, but you could. Um, and in the resurrection, you will not still be married. But you know, that's not to say you won't be like best friends with the person that was your spouse on, on this earth. I mean, you might be. Um, if, yeah, if you have a good relationship, you know. So yeah, go ahead. Um, what was that word you said? What kind of marriage is that? Lover, lover, leveret, L-E-V. I R A T E. That's like leave L it right there. L E V. Mm -hmm. I R. I R. A T E. Oh, okay. Yeah, and if you want, I can find the passage that uh, that talks about that. I think maybe. Isn't that kind of what Ruth uh, and Naomi and Ruth? Where where Ruth marries Boaz to give uh, Naomi a child. Yes, that's basically it. Over uh -huh. the land. Yep. Um, and I'd also like to ask a question. You know, people um, that are married—it's not a—I don't know—question, but people that are married for a long time and have a good marriage don't don't you guys hope that you know each other and will get to be with each other in heaven? Yes, we all yes. do. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's still right? going to be a different type of love. That's how I got it figured. You know, we're going to be so thrilled to be there. And even in marriage, there's times of, shall we say, we're supposed to judge angels. So I'm not going to sit and judge my husband. I hope he don't judge me. <laughs> that's a marriage. <laughs> but, you know, it's that's a tough question, Vicki. But yes, you love your spouse to death. And I'm, I know I'm going to be up there holding Vern's hand. But whether it'll be a marriage hand or a friend's hand or a agape hand, Kevin, help. Mm -hmm. Nope. Somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there, darling. That's it. I, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like there. I have no doubt at all that we will know each other. Yeah. I have no doubt at all that um, we'll know who Jesus is. You know, mm -hmm. I have no question about that in my mind. How else are we going to worship him, right? We'll know exactly who he is, what he's done for us. Uh, we, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident we'll know who Peter is, who John is, who Paul is, all these great people of, of the Bible. 
and if we know who they are, I don't see any reason at all why we wouldn't know who each other are also, including our, our spouses, you know. It seems like if God went to all the, you know, the plan was that we were to have families and love our families and take care of our families, that if we are in heaven, that we are going to know our family. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's well said, Vicki. Yeah. Yep. Well, I hope it's that way. I hope now, so I'm too. Not, <laughs> now, I'm not sure about all the people that the married ones. If you're not married anymore, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think there are a couple of things there. Uh, one is uh, there are going to be times when I think in eternal life we get there and we have people, maybe a former spouse, maybe someone else who deeply offended us, who sinned against us, but they repented and, and were saved. And I think we'll have time for healing there, you know. Um, and that's that would be a good thing. Uh, that, that well, healing. I'd like you all. I'd like you all to know that I have forgiven. So mm -hmm. I don't have to do that when I go to heaven. Good girl. Praise God. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God. And that's no easy task, right? <clears throat> no. It's, it's very hard. But um, Jesus said, uh, if we if we want God to forgive us, we have to forgive also. And uh, so I commend you. For that, I'm I'm still looking for the Leverite, uh, uh, Leverite marriage. Uh, so it has something, and I'm it, not finding it, but I'll, I'll have to look it up later. It has something to do with Levi. I don't think so. It, it comes from a different word, and I can't remember. Oh, okay. It comes from a Hebrew word, and I can't remember what it means exactly. Leveling up, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, I'll have to look that up later. I'm sorry. I can't find no it right problem. now. Okay. No Kevin? Yes. It's in Deuteronomy 25. Verse Deuteronomy. Five. I hadn't made it that far. I stopped in numbers. <laughs> Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 25. Yes. Verse 5. There it is. Yep. Yep. Verses 5 down to verse 10. It even tells what happens if the brother won't marry his brother's wife who didn't have children, didn't have a son. What do you do with oh, him? I'm yeah. so glad that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> you know, um, Jenny has a relative who uh, her, she married a man, I think, from Iran, if I remember right. And he passed away and uh, they didn't have any kids. And so his brother married the widow. Really? And they, they, wow. have, they have a good marriage. Last I heard. Yeah. They have a good marriage. It worked out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So maybe the two brothers That's just had really bad. good taste. I don't know. But there, there may still be a uh, a little bit of that Leverett uh, marriage concept in there. Yeah. Kevin? Yes, eh? What if one of these guys is married to someone else by the time that husband dies? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think what they did typically um, was if the, uh, uh, the older brother gets married, uh, they try to have offspring as soon as they can. And next brother in line has to wait and not get married until his older brother has a son. Once his older brother uh -huh. has a son, then he's good. He can go, he can go marry. Um, oh, okay. I, I think that's how it worked. Um, I'd have to talk with somebody who knows more about that than I did. That's my impression. So there were, was a provision for something like that. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. Cause uh, if, if the second brother marries, 
he's got a wife already. She's not going to be happy if he's taking his brother's wife too. I mean, that's not going to make for a good relationship in the home. So, (laughs) all right. So you see the, the question here, it's the Sadducees in verse 27 who present this question and they present it because they don't believe in the resurrection uh, Sadducees only believed in the first, only followed uh, or accepted a scripture, the first five books of the Old Testament, the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what we call the Pentateuch, uh, the five books, uh, or the Torah, uh, which means the law. Um, so they did not accept the passages in Psalms that talk about uh, resurrection or, or eternal life or being with God forever. They did not accept as scripture, uh, the book of Daniel, which in chapter 12 is very clear. I mean, it's the clearest passage in the Old Testament about resurrection. It says the dead, all of them righteous and unrighteous will be raised. um, And the unrighteous are going to have a bad and the righteous will shine like the stars in the skies. Uh, And they also did not accept uh, Isaiah as scripture. Isaiah says in one place that God will destroy death forever. And so you have these prophecies of resurrection in the Old Testament, just a few of them, uh, not, and not real um, clear necessarily uh, to the people of that time. But looking back on them in light of what Jesus did and how he was raised, you know, we can see these prophecies pretty clearly. But they didn't, they didn't accept those. And so that's why Jesus says in verse 37, he doesn't go to Isaiah, he doesn't go to Daniel, he doesn't go to Psalms, he goes back to Moses who the Sadducees accept as authoritative. And he says in the account of the burning bush back in Exodus chapter three, even Moses showed that the dead rise for he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Jesus concludes from that. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living for to him, all are alive. And so he's saying, even the scriptures you believe in, even though you only believe in a few of them, even they demonstrate that the dead are raised because God is not, the God who was of Abraham or who was of Isaac, who was of Jacob, he is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because those three men are still alive, even though they've died by Moses' time. They've been dead hundreds of years. So, um, so that, that makes you think, okay, uh, what if, um, you know, what's it like when we pass from this life? Um, if God is, the God of not of the dead, but of the living for to him, all are alive. That means, uh, you know, we lost our brother Mel just a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago um, to God. Mel is alive, you know? And so uh, when God looks at Mel, God, God can see his spirit. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how you see a spirit, but God knows, you know, Mel's spirit is, is alive and he's aware of Mel just as he's aware of us. And so when we pass from this life, even though the body is dead, the spirit is still living. And to, to God, you know, the person who's passed from their body is still just as alive as the person who's still in their body. Uh, at least that's how I take it from, from what Jesus says here. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. So that's really encouraging to me. It uh, is a I mean, good thought. Yeah. You know, it, it uh, I, I don't like the idea of death. I don't think we're supposed to like the idea of death. First um, Corinthians 15 calls death our enemy. I think there's good reason for that. But even, even when we face death, there is hope because uh, God is, uh, you know, our relationship with God doesn't disappear 
when we pass from this life. It is just as strong as ever, which is which makes it really important that we make sure our relationship with God is healthy now, right? Because uh, we we want a healthy relationship as we uh, with Him as we go into uh, the life to come. But what about Paul? When I think with Paul in the New Testament, he says, um, "If I live, I'm living for you people here. Mm-hmm. If I die, I'm with the Lord." Mm-hmm. So at some point we're not going to be able to be necessarily useful to the Lord here. And we're looking forward to that in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Philippians one that you were quoting from. Yeah. Um, yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so we look forward to that, that time to come. Uh, God doesn't, uh, doesn't keep us here forever. Uh, our time here is limited. Uh, we're here for a little while and then, then we go on to be with the Lord. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, you know, you talked about being useful, Sherry. I wonder if God has work for us to do when we pass from this life. That's entirely possible. I, I don't know. I, uh, we usually think of that time as a time of rest. Um, and I think that's exactly right. Um, Revelation says that those who die in the Lord from now on will rest from their labors. And so that's something to look forward to. Um, but, you know, maybe there are things God asks for us to do even then. I, I don't know. Well, I think that there is because we leave behind an example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yes, we do. Kevin? Yeah, go ahead, Karen. I was wondering this morning, even before class, if angels have uh, relationships, friendships, if they interact with each other. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So we don't have hardly inf- any information at all about the the quality of their relationships. You know, like do they have best friends? We know they don't get well. It seems that they don't get married, if I'm understanding Jesus correctly in the passage we just looked at. Um, but they, we know they do interact with each other. Uh, we know of a couple of, I guess, levels of relationship that we find in Scripture um, in the Book of Daniel. If you read the second half of the Book of Daniel. Uh, especially maybe chapters 8 through 12 or 9 through 12, you find angelic beings talking to each other. And some of them have more information than others. Like some of them have um, a little more, have access to a little more classified information than others have, but then they reveal it. You know, they, they explain, one angel explains to another in the presence of Daniel in the vision, here's what God's going to do. Uh, so that not so much so the other angel knows, but so that Daniel will know. And so that's really interesting. Uh, then another level of relationship, a very different level, uh, is in Revelation 12, where you have um, Michael and his angels battling the devil and his angels. And so th- what that reveals for us is uh, there, there is hierarchy among the angels. So you have some in authority and others not. Uh, and you have uh, some that have allied themselves with, with Satan instead of with God. Um, and so there's some kind of relationship going on there where they can decide who to follow um, and who to put their confidence in. Um, so I think, I think those passages hint at uh, a, a complex um, system of relationships or um, potential relationships, just like we have, you know, just like humans have, very similar. But beyond that, I don't think we have 
really any information about can angels have friendships and such? Thank you. Yeah. Can anybody think of any other passages we might mention to Karen? <laughs> Isn't okay. there a passage about one of the angels going to another to help get a message? I think it's to Daniel. Yeah. That, that, that may have been what you were referring to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, and that is in Daniel. Um, hmm. Daniel 9 or 10, I'm, I'm looking right now to find that. Um, Daniel 10. Yeah, yeah, Daniel 10. One, one angel was trying to get a message to Daniel in answer to his prayers, um, right in the middle of the chapter, about verse uh, 12 to 14, uh, and was not able to get through. He was resisted somehow by, sounds like another spiritual being, uh, until Michael uh, came and Michael there is called one of the chief princes. And then in, in the new Testament, he's called the archangel, uh, twice. Um, and so you see one angel helping another. Yeah. All right. Is that helpful, Karen? Okay, great. Let's go into our next passage. Matthew 24. Uh, we're still in this final week before Jesus death. And Jesus, he gives a whole bunch of teaching during that week. We have, we have a record of uh, quite a bit of it. So this passage uh, is something like what we've heard uh, a while back. So Matthew 24, verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. So he's talking about the second <laughs> coming here, right? And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So two things we learn about angels here. Uh, one is that even the angels don't know when Jesus will return. Uh, even Jesus himself doesn't know, or maybe now he does, but at least when he said this, he didn't. Only God the Father uh, knew. That is the highest level of classified information in the universe. At least I don't know of anything higher. Uh, when God the Father knows and doesn't even tell his son, at least yet, maybe, maybe Jesus knows now. I, I don't know how that works. But the angels uh, do not know when Jesus will return until, uh, pr presumably until it happens. About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So if you ever meet an angel and you feel tempted to ask, hey, when's Jesus coming back? <laughs> we would like to know. Probably the angel won't be able to tell you. <laughs> Probably won't know. So just in case, right? Just in case you ever meet an angel in person <laughs> and know it. All right. Um, and then when Jesus comes, we've talked about this before. Angels will be with him. He will, verse 31 says, he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So if you tie this in with 1 Thessalonians 4, which is the great passage about the resurrection of the dead uh, and what will happen right when Jesus comes again, 
uh, when the dead are raised, um, they will rise up into the sky to meet the Lord as he comes. Um, but then also those who are still living will rise up in the sky with them, those believers who are still living. And that may be what Jesus is talking about here in verse 31, that he will send the angels and the angels will gather his people from the four winds, uh, from you know one end of the heavens to the other, so across the whole face of the earth. And uh, um, if you tie that in with 1 Thessalonians 4, they gather the, the God's people and then bring them up into the sky to meet Jesus as he comes, so, which is a, a beautiful thought. Uh, and so, you know, if we are privileged to be the generation that is uh, living when Jesus comes again, uh, we'll get to see angels along with him. Um, we might notice the angels briefly, but I think once we see Jesus, I, I imagine he'll captivate our attention, you know. Okay, any any questions, thoughts on that that passage? Nice, short, simple one. Okay, let's go to the next one, which is similar, but with a, a little uh, different bit of information as well. Matthew 25, uh, beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, so again, Jesus is explaining how what, what will happen when he comes again. And all the angels with him, so there's that similar part, the angels will be with him, just as he said before. He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's a really powerful teaching from Jesus, really important uh, for how we think about what our mission is in this world. Um, sometimes we, you know, get the impression uh, maybe that our mission is to go out and save the lost and or, or uh, be the church and be strong and, and def, you know, defend ourselves against all the bad influences out there and keep ourselves separate and holy, kind of like the Pharisees always tried to do. Um, but what Jesus says, what he stresses here, of course, this is not all that he uses to, to judge people at the judgment. Um, there are other criteria as well, but this is one of the big criteria. Um, he certainly stresses it in this text. 
Uh, did you feed the person who was hungry? Did you give the thirsty person something to drink? Um, did you invite in the stranger? Did you clothe the person who needed clothing? Did you look after the sick? Karen, you're doing a good job of that one right now. Thumbs up for you. Uh, did you visit the person who is in prison? And uh, especially, um, as Jesus says in verse 40, those who are brothers and sisters of his, did you do this for them, them in, in particular? Because if you did, then you did it for Jesus. Uh, and so that's a, that's a beautiful uh, thought. Uh, so we need to be careful, you know, to look out for those who are in need and help where we can. Um, we can't, you know, individually, we can't help everybody, but uh, the church worldwide can help an awful lot of people. And we need to do whatever uh, we're able to do. Uh, verse 31, we saw this idea in the last passage also, when Jesus comes again, the angels will come with him. So I think the idea there is like a, a king with his, with his army, you know, with his great royal entourage, the military and maybe diplomats and whatever, uh, coming into the city in ancient times, or maybe even today, uh, it'll be like that when Jesus comes. You know, he, he will come with great glory and the angels glorious in themselves will also come uh, with him. And it's going to be a, a, a great and beautiful and powerful thing. Did you notice verse 41 where Jesus mentions hell? He doesn't use the name. He calls it the eternal fire. What was hell made for, according to Jesus? The devil and his angels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which is interesting to me. The eternal fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. So that's the purpose of hell. Um, sometimes people ask, how would a loving God ever send anybody to hell? Uh, I don't think that was the original intention of hell, right? The original intention was uh, to be the, the place of destruction of the devil and his angels. It's not where the devil goes and he rules and never lets anybody turn down the thermostat. Uh, the devil does not rule in hell. He, he is destroyed in hell or, or eternally punished in hell. He and his angels both. So it's the place of his punishment, not of his power. Uh, so why would humans ever be sent to hell? I think the answer is because they, rather than allying themselves with God, uh, they, like the devil's angels, have allied themselves with the devil. They might never think of it that way. You know, they're just living their lives. But if they're rejecting the authority of God in their lives, then the authority they're living under is the authority of the devil. Uh, Listen through another passage about how we're supposed to submit to God. And if we're not submitting, then we're rebelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, Jesus talked about that in, in one sense, uh, in a passage we looked at, oh, last week or the week before from the Gospel of John, where the people claimed, oh, God is our father. And Jesus said, no, if God were your father, you wouldn't treat me the way you're treating me. The devil is your father. You're under one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Jesus gives us a little insight into the purpose of hell here, and it's uh, scary to think about, as it should be, and um, Evan? You know, something we ought not to be comfortable with. Yes, go ahead. I This is something I've thought about for quite a while, and I'm thinking, you know, God follows, or they promise, Jesus promises 
eternal life for those who follow him. But does that mean that the people who follow the devil or are, are his followers, you know, by not promising or accepting God, that they're going to have eternal death? Um, yes, in, in some sense, there'll be eternal death. Yeah, uh, so it appears. Um, so, uh, okay, uh, clarify for me what you're what you're asking there, Georgia. Are you asking? Well, you um, know, we're we're promised eternal life, but to, so what's the opposite? You know, of, of eternal life, eternal death. Does that mean that they're going to be in in hell forever? But doesn't doesn't it say somewhere in there that after after they're sent to hell or into the burning fire doesn't that destroy them okay so you're yes. asking about um uh, annihilation versus eternal torment right oh boy that's a tough question yeah um yeah it's a good one to bring up I I wanted to clarify because uh, some people ask: Is there any chance of penance uh, once once a person is in hell? Uh, can they repent, you know, and be brought out of that? Um, we don't have any indication of that in Scripture. I would love for that to be so, um, but we have no teaching about that in Scripture that, that there's a kind of a second chance. Um, so the way Jesus talks about hell, I. Uh, sounds like eternal torment because he'll talk about uh, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, the fire there never goes out and the worm there never dies. Um, the worm being a uh, probably a reference to um, the Valley of Ben Hinnom, which is just outside of Jerusalem. It was a valley where people would go to burn their trash. And uh, there was uh, kind of constant fire there is my understanding. Um, and uh, uh, worms eating, you know, eating up all the, the rubbish and, and gunk that was there. Uh, so that's kind of the that's kind of where the the word for um, hell in their language came from was that valley. Uh, so you know, the dirtiest, most awful place, constant fire. Uh, and then the and then the the idea of hell as a lake of fire came out of uh, kind of Greek culture. The New Testament sort of adopted that idea and said, "Yeah, that's it's pretty accurate uh, description of hell." Also, um, some people uh, believe that uh, that hell is uh, a place of the death of the soul, and that the soul ceases to exist. So, rather than being tormented forever, it's destroyed and gone. Um, the The Bible doesn't doesn't clearly say that. Uh, one might hope it is so because that would be more humane from our perspective than eternal torment. Um, on the other hand, we might say the devil deserves eternal torment. You know, I don't know if I dare say anybody does. I'm going to leave that one to God. Um, but you'll hear, you'll hear some Christians who are just absolutely convinced that uh, they're, they're what we call annihilationists. Uh, they believe that hell is a place of annihilation of the soul. Um, and you could you could take what Jesus says and, and what other passages say about hell that way, uh, as um, the fire never goes out there and the worm there never dies, uh, in the sense that there is no escape. 
it's absolute, it's final. Uh, it's the second death. And if you think of death as, you know, the first ceasing of existence, at least physically, then the second one is the ceasing of existence spiritually. So you could take it that way. I'm not real confident in that perspective, even though I might like for it to be that way. But um, but scripture just isn't real clear one way or the other on that question. So is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah, it okay. is. Okay. Yeah, sometimes, uh, it, sometimes I want to be able to give a definite yes or no answer. And, and the best information we have is, you know, somewhere in between. Anybody else have, some, have any thoughts on that? Well, in 51, it says he will cut them to pieces, assign them a place with the hypocrites, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. So they're, okay. they're going to be cut to pieces. That's only mm. a, a metaphor or whatever. But he does say that there is a punishment. Yes. Yes, there's <laughs> definitely punishment, right? Yep. Yeah, but and, to cut to pieces? I knew he was supposed to burn eternally, but he's going to get down there with a, a sword and start cutting them to pieces here. Yeah, I, I would take that metaphorically. Um, sure. It just, you know, it just means severe punishment, uh, I think, probably. Yeah, because uh, if they were cut to pieces, they couldn't live forever down there for eternal. <laughs> yeah, or maybe pieces yeah. of them would. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know how things work at that point. Yeah, we've never we've yeah. never been to that that phase of existence. So we don't, yeah. we don't know how yeah, that looks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anybody else on that, that passage? Matthew 25. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's a good place for us to close up uh, for today. Let's pick up next time at John 12, verses 20 to 33, uh, continuing in Jesus' final week before his crucifixion. And uh, we will probably get through that week next time. And then all we'll have left from this uh, handout will be... Um, from the time of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, and then we'll be into the book of Acts and um, the, uh, the letters of the apostles uh, to, um, to the church. Uh, and then um, and later on, uh, Revelation. We'll get a little bit, quite a bit about angels and such there. Okay, so we're making good progress. Uh, I am making progress on preparing the uh, section nine handout. And so I'll hope to have that to you here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, before we get into the section nine texts, I'll, I'll put it online and hopefully we'll be back uh, together in person by then as well, if I continue to heal up. So, okay. Any last thoughts before we close up today? I'm going to ask uh, Jerry to uh, lead our closing prayer in a second, if that's okay. Okay. Jerry, would you lead us in prayer? Sure will. Father, we... We're so thankful we can come together and study your word, gain knowledge of what you said was meant to be. And Father, as we learn of your word, it brings us so much closer to you. Father, be with each one of us as we go to our respective homes. Keep us safe, Father, from the ravages of, of this epidemic. And Father, may we learn to love one another for who we are. Uh, 
not looking for ways that we can think we're so much better. Be with us, Father. We ask you in Jesus' name.